and I haven't spent much time with them, and I haven't conversed with them much, but our deepest relationships come with a lot of time and a lot of energy. And in this passage today, this is very much what the Apostle John is, is looking at for us and how, what it looks like for us to have a relationship with the Lord. And we're going to see a lot of connections with how um, our relationships function between humans here. So let me pray for us and we'll get started. God, we thank you for your word. Um, we thank you that, that you are good to us, um, even in, in coming upon a new year that um, we see um, that we are able to reflect back and look forward um, to what you have done and what you will do. And Father, we pray in this time that you would give us open hearts and open minds um, to hear from you. God, we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In J.I. Packer's Knowing God, his most famous work, he says, um, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. So according to the Apostle John in this passage, we have been made children of God. We have been made heirs of the kingdom that God has um, brought in through Christ. And in this, we are called in a way to remain in him in this passage. And that's going to be kind of the overarching thing is he says that we should abide in him, or we can also think of that as remaining in him. And for us, this, what this looks like is kind of going against a lot of what our natural inclinations are going to be, that we have to, to, to discipline ourselves in a lot of life to, to fight against the sin that is around us and within us. And it, it, if you're like me, like many of us, are, we're going to be tempted to live for, for things that are outside of, of God's um, kingdom, that we're, we're tempted to live for the world in much of life. And this book, 1 John, was actually written um, for Christians. It was written for the assurance of salvation. So throughout the entire book, we see that, um, that tests are given, and they're given to convict people of, of are they believing in Jesus first, and are they living in accordance to their beliefs? So the, the book as a whole is given really to convict people of, of their faith for one and then godly living second. Um, and I think the, the first thing that we really need to, to see in this is that we need to understand that um, this the, the text is anchored in us being children of God. So that is like the overarching thing. We have to remember when this whole time that we look at this passage, we have to remember what's anchoring us to this is that we have been bought by Jesus. And so that's, that's the overarching thing, but we, we see in that that there should be a response in our lives, that we have been made children, so that we should respond with our lives. And so we're going to begin, uh, the, first, the first section is, is that we must remain in him. So this is from verse 28 and 29, if you look with, with, there with me in your Bible. Um, the Apostle John commands believers to abide in him. So abide for me, when I was first reading this, I didn't fully understand like what abide meant. So another common rendering of this is to remain. And so you can think of this as we are going to remain in God. And, and I even went further, and I thought, okay, if I'm going to remain with someone, if I'm going to re remain with one of you guys, I would sit in the pew next to you and sit still. So it's kind of passive. It's not, it's not moving at all. And in this text, he's actually speaking of an active remaining. So it's not, I think you can think of it more like you're staying next to someone that's moving and not sitting still. Um, so remaining in God would mean to persevere daily in our faith, to be moving forward um, daily in our faith. And it's remaining steadfast 
um, in our relationship with the Lord. And for us as believers, this means a lot of our life should be disciplined in a way that um, we are, are loving God's commands and we are loving God's law more on a daily basis. Um, and th- this means that we should be staying committed in all every areas of our life to the truth that we first believed in Jesus. And, and you know, it's, it's easy for, for me to come to a text like this. And I was raised in a Christian home, and, and I've kind of heard the gospel my whole life, and then I see these to-dos, and it feels like, okay, this is a list that I have to complete. These are the things, the disciplines I have to have to be okay with God. And, and like I said a second ago, we have to remember that this text is rooted in verse 1 of chapter 3, and it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. And so the Lord has given his love to us in Christ. He has adopted us as his own children, and we remain connected to him no matter what we do. That even if we fail, if we fall in our faith, we are steadfast in him. As children of God, we are heirs of his kingdom, even if we, we stumble, even if we lack discipline at times, even if we're not as committed as we should. But this passage is bringing us back. It's saying, you are a child of God, and you should act like a child of God because that's what's best for you. And we are, we're called to discipline our lives and, and, and to love God's word. It's, it's because it's who we are as believers. So three years ago, uh, I'm sorry, three years into Alice and I's marriage, um, she was pushing me to start running on a normal basis. Um, so to kind of give you a, a backstory on this, I played basketball growing up. If you know about like basketball conditioning, it's like short, hard, hard and fast running. So like 30 seconds at a time and you give all you can and then you're done for a few minutes and you do it again for basketball. So she was raised in, in running like long distance, so it's like a mile at a time and I when we first started running, I'm like, there's no way in my life I'll ever be able to run a mile straight. Like, I will never be able to do that. So we got out there. I was in a horrible mood the first probably five runs we went on together. And I would run as hard as I could to this, this stoplight that I would see up there. And then I would be completely depleted. We'd have to walk like half a mile, you know. And I'd be able to run a little bit further the next time. Um, and in this, uh, in this time we decided that to, to stay motivated, we signed up for a half marathon. Our first race probably was not a great decision at the time either. In Disneyland, so it's going to be like a fun thing um, to, to kind of motivate us to get off the couch and run on a normal basis. Um, so I was a little motivated. I'm like, I'm not going to show up to Disneyland. I'm not going to. I need to accomplish this and get through this race. And so we were running on a normal basis. And over time, I actually began to see fruit from this. Like, Allison and I, this is before we had kids, so we were running later in the evening. And so we would have good conversations with one another. I mean, I was, I was able to run, like, further um, and, and faster over time. And, and Allison, a lot of times, was my coach. She was the one that was kind of pushing me along. She would get me off the couch if I didn't want to go. She's also teaching me what it looks like to run long distance instead of just 30 seconds at a time. Um, but for me, I knew that I had to run and run and run if I was going to be able to run 13 miles one day. I couldn't wake up that day and say, I'm going to run 13 miles. Um, and years later, it's really funny. If you guys know me, I mean, I may have talked about running before, but it, running is like a highlight of my week now. It's like something that I love. But this was like seven years ago, and it was, I hated it at the time. I really despised running. And it's taken like this whole time, and it's become this way for me because... Um, 
of the discipline oftentimes that my wife had and kind of kicked me out the door to have, and, and then the discipline that I put in my own life to be able to do this. And, and so for you, you may not be a runner. This may not be like super connected to your own life, but you, you probably know what discipline looks like in some fashion. Um, you know what like remaining faithful to something looks like, and, and you understand that, that discipline often is not easy. It's not um, something that just comes one day. It's, it's hard work oftentimes, and, and this is what the Apostle John is telling us here, that, that we are called to discipline ourselves in our walk with the Lord so that we may continue to further our relationship with him. Um, and and just, like, just like the people that John is writing to here, uh, there may be areas in your life where, where you're tempted to live for the world and not for him. Um, but the good thing is that, like, that as a child of God, as we've been bought into his kingdom, we now have the power of the Holy Spirit that's given within us, a power that we did not have prior to being saved. And, and so there's really two aspects to, to, to all of this, to fighting and having discipline. There's a first aspect is we have to understand that our sanctification, it comes from God. Us moving forward in our relationship with the Lord, that is going to come from the Lord. So we need to have faith that the Holy Spirit is going to work in our hearts. That's the first aspect. The second aspect is that we also need to have discipline in our lives physically to be able to um, put structures in place to have space for the Holy Spirit to work. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, like, what role does discipline play, like, in your life now? And I, I think that most of us would say that we do have disciplines in our normal life. So this can be things as, as simple as, like, we're disciplined to wake up in the morning on time. We're disciplined to um, clean the house. We're disciplined to raise our children in a certain way. And there are kind of two, I, I would say, ways that we can view discipline. You can either have a, a healthy desire in discipline, or you can have an unhealthy desire in discipline. So the healthy desire would be like, we wake up in the morning, get to work on time, because we know we want to keep our job, we want to do really well, and we need to feed ourselves and our family. So it's kind of out of necessity, but we get there on time. We may, um, sorry, oh, clean our house because we don't want to live in a house that, that's, that's super filthy. We may also um, raise our children in a certain way because we want what's best for them in the long run. So we discipline ourselves in, in very healthy ways, and these are good ways. But we can also see that there are, there are unhealthy ways that we use discipline in our lives. So we may, um, we may discipline our children, and we may and, 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 and try to guide them along the path because we're getting our worth from how people look at us when they see our children or our home. Or maybe in your workplace, you're finding your worth by how you look there. And, and you couldn't stand the fact that, that sometime you could fail there. And that, that is where you're finding your identity. And um, so we see really something similar in our disciplines when our spiritual, in our spiritual life. That we do have disciplines, yes, but they can be healthy and they can be unhealthy. And I, and I kind of want to bring us back to the idea that we are children of God. So an unhealthy discipline in, in, our, in our walk would be, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to, in 2019, I'm going to pick up my Bible more. I'm going to read more. I'm going to go to church more faithfully to earn God's favor. So that's, this is the unhealthy way. So you could think, maybe not say with your mouth, but think in your mind, I have to do these things this year to, to be in God's grace more. The healthy way would be to think, I am God's child. He has done everything that I ever needed and and i couldn't do on my own and i am going to work with him in this process to to allow him to work in my life and 
So this, this, coming, this coming New Year, one of these things, I kind of want to bring it around. This coming New Year, this is like the time of like resolutions for our whole culture, right? So like you're going to see like January 1, all the gyms are going to be full and whatever the resolution is going to be for the person, they're going to read more, you're going to see them in their books, that kind of thing. So I mean, for me, practically, this has been a really good time for me to reevaluate my, my walk with the Lord, plus my walk with my family, um, I mean, health stuff, everything. And I, I've really seen some, some good fruit there. But this could be a time for us to, to reevaluate what does discipline look like in your life? Like, are, are, is there any discipline in your spiritual life? Is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? So I'd encourage you as, as like, the next week kind of comes upon us um, and New Year's rolls around, this can be a time where we can kind of reevaluate um, the discipline in our lives. And like I said, we, we, we do this all. We remain faithful and we look at the discipline because of who God has called us to be as his children. So the second point we're going to look at is, is looking in verses uh, 1 through 3 of chapter 3, and it's that we must look forward to our future glory. I'm going to read this for us. It's been a few minutes. Um, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared but what we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure so this text tells us that that we will be like god and we will see him for who he truly is and in our human state like it's it's for me i read this i'm like okay like i i I, I have no comprehension of what God is really going to be like. Like, I, I have glimpses that we see in the scriptures, but I, to fully understand it, I will never get there here. And, and so part of this is that w- what a few things that we do know is that in, in the new heavens and the new earth, our bodies and our minds and the things around us will be fully restored, that we'll be able to fully worship God in a way that we are intended to. And, and if, if you're a believer, you know that this is coming true in, in Jesus' second coming. And in, this, in reading this text, we, we must remember that, that there is a future glory there for us, that we will be conformed back to our original state plus some of, of glory that we are intended to have. And we know in this time that our deepest longings will be satisfied by the Lord. So really, there's kind of two avenues to like what we're looking at today, like daily life of discipline, what we do today on a normal basis, based on who we are in God, and then based on who we are in God, what we'll be in the future. So I want to tell you a story that I heard recently um, about a guy, his name is James Allen, and he was a mountain climber. Um, when he was 10 years old, his dad took him out to climb a mountain for the first time, and this became like a, a routine thing. It was really good for them to converse and have this, this dad time. They went out about once a month, and they did this kind of throughout his childhood. Whenever he got into high school, he noticed that he started being able to outclimb his dad. So he was going much further than his dad did, and he, was, he would leave his dad behind at times. When he got into college, this was like his thing. Like he became like the weekend guy that was always climbing the mountain. Like he was pushing himself, to, and he was determined to be the best mountain climber that he could. And as an adult, he, he, I mean, he started traveling the world. So you can see this life... This guy's life is surrounded by mountain climbing. Um, At age 34, he planned his first trip to Mount Everest, and a local news company um, found out that this this was going on, and and they asked him for an interview, and the last question they asked in the interview was this, James, what do you you think it'll feel like when you reach the top? 
He replied, I can't even imagine. I have put so much time, effort, and discipline into this pursuit. I know the climb to the top will be taxing, but when I reach the top, I know it will all be worth it. So just like in this, this kind of silly illustration, like we know that the discipline we put in our lives, the hurt, the struggles, everything that goes on here, it will ultimately be worth it. And you know, where this illustration breaks down is that Jesus has already climbed Mount Everest for us. So we're at the top of Mount Everest now. And so he has done it, but we continue to come alongside him, not to earn our way to the top because we're already there with him, but to pursue the fight of restoration that he is fighting in this world. And we have been, we have been called children of God, and there's nothing at all that can change that. So this, this passage is calling us to discipline our lives because walking with the Lord is what's best for us. It is what is, we're intended to do. So if you're a believer, I mean, I, I would ask you to, to, to think about what, what are you focusing on in your life? Are you consumed with worry or, or the future or what maybe your children are doing for the future? Or are you wrapped up in the day-to-day, like I can't get my mind to next week because i got to get done what's done here? Um, but, but this passage is calling us to remember backwards to what Christ has done and what that means for our future, what it will be one day. And, and maybe you're here and you don't believe, and I'm very thankful that you are here and, and have come, maybe with family members. Or, um, and I, I would ask, and we can all really apply this to our lives, that where, where are we finding our hope in this life? So we can find our hope in, in, in very good things, but that are not ultimate. Things like family or, or marriage or your job. Um, and we can all find hope there, but none of these things we know will, will ultimately fulfill us. These are things that will never not let us down. Um, and in Christ, we receive a hope that will never be shaken. And our future is better than anything that we can comprehend in him. So I think we should all just think about where is hope for us? Where is my hope? Where am I laying my hope? And the Bible shows us that, that in Jesus, he brings us hope and love and protection and that we are secure in him. So I would encourage you as this, this new year comes upon us that um, you would look to the Lord, that you would rely on him in faith, to, to, to rely on the Holy Spirit to move you forward, and also to create structures and, and, and things in your life to be able to have discipline to um, further your relationship with him. And I'm going to conclude with a passage from um, John 15. It's Jesus himself speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit bear fruit he prunes that it may bear move more fruit already you you are clean because of the word that i have spoken to you abide in me and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me i am the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and i in him he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing so as children of God, we're called to remain in him, we're called to look to the future glory that he has for us, um, but, but ultimately we look to the Lord for our strength, we look to him as our provider and our king, as we look to remain in him as his children. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning, we thank you for the truth that, um, that you have called us your children, that you have adopted us as sons and daughters, that you have um, made us heirs of your kingdom. And there is nothing that can shake that, that we are now, we have climbed the mountain because you first climbed the mountain, God, that you were there in our stead. 
that you have taken the place where we um, deserve to be on the cross. And Father, we're grateful um, for all that you have done in 2018. And God, we pray, um, even as our calendars turn over to 2019, this coming week or so, that you um, would continue to work in us, that you continue um, to be in this church, and you would add um, to our faith, Father, in, in a way that only you can. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's our privilege at this time to stand together and confess our faith and using the words of the Apostles' Creed. As we do that, I'd invite you to be mindful uh, this morning of brothers and sisters in Chengdu, China, who are confessing their faith in imprisonment. Think of brothers and sisters in Tajikistan being persecuted by Muslim leaders and villages, but also sharing their faith as they gather. As we share these words this morning, we are a part of a worldwide community, one that reaches across space and time and history. I'd also invite you to consider with me the verbs of the Apostles' Creed. The Creed is all about the verbs. And so as we read these together, I invite you to emphasize and to pay attention to the verbs that shape this great confession. Restoration Church, in whom do you believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. This morning, uh, Dawson has encouraged us to pay attention to that little word that is thread through the literature of John, both in his gospel 